Hello and welcome to the Decorum Talking Newspaper for the week ending Saturday the 5th of February 2022. This is Andrew, the team leader, and your other readers are Jane and Mary. And the editor this week is also the multitasking Mary. Most of our news items are taken from the Hemel Hempstead, Berkhamsted and Tring Gazette and Express newspaper. All telephone numbers are on the local code of 01442 unless stated otherwise. This week's headline is Happy Birthday, Hemel Hempstead. This and other stories follow. So here is the news. Hemel Hempstead is set to celebrate its diamond anniversary on Friday as it marks the 75th anniversary of being declared a new town. Decorum Borough Council will be looking back over the town's history and the Hemel Gazette would love to share your memories too. On February the 4th, 1947, Hemel Hempstead was chosen for expansion coming to the rescue of Londoners who were living in slum housing or whose homes had been bombed during World War II. An ambitious building programme began and the first new town residents moved into their homes in Adyfield in 1950. Over the next four decades, Hemel Hempstead grew, creating eight new neighbourhoods, a new town centre on Marlowe's and a thriving industrial estate around Maylands Avenue. According to the national census, Hemel's population grew from just over 20,000 in 1951 to over 55,000 in 1961. At the last census in 2011, the population was 94,932, but is now estimated to be over 100,000. Decorum Borough Council will be looking back over the town's history in its Facebook and Instagram channels this week and will be asking residents to share their memories of Hemel over the years. Hello, this is Jane. Sarah Whelan, Hemel Strategy Place Programme Manager said, The Council values the history of Hemel Hempstead's strong neighbourhoods and communities. Having been one of the first new towns, we are reinventing the town for the 21st century as a place of green open spaces and opportunity. As we look to the future of Hemel Hempstead, we want to think big. This is a place where the prospects are bright. And the Hemel Gazette would love to feature your pictures and memories of Hemel Hempstead over the years too. Send them to us please at the Gazette at jpimedia.co.uk or message us on Facebook. Hemel Garden Communities, an ambitious development programme that the council says will transform Hemel Hempstead and create attractive and sustainable new neighbourhoods and communities to the north and east of Hemel Hempstead, has provided Hemel Hempstead with garden town status. Over the next 25 years, it aims to take the best of the new town heritage into the 21st century with over 11,000 quality homes and 10,000 jobs. Andrew Percival, chair of Hemel Place Board, said, From its earliest days, Hemel Hempstead has always embraced the opportunities of its time, not least gaining its status as a new town in 1947. As chair of the Hemel Place Board, it is evident to me that 75 years on, Hemel Hempstead's neighbourhoods and thriving business communities continue to work energetically together to ensure the town can face the future with confidence. Hello, I'm Mary. The MP for Hemel Hempstead has called for action to enable children prescribed medical cannabis to get it paid for by the NHS. 
Speaking in Prime Minister's questions, Sir Mike Penning called on the MP Prime Minister to bring this long-standing saga to a close. A number of seriously ill children with a rare form of epilepsy that results in them having over 100 seizures a week have been prescribed medical cannabis, which enables them to lead a relatively normal life. But bureaucratic complications mean the majority of them are unable to get these prescriptions filled on the NHS. So Mike said, this is a bureaucratic nightmare. These seriously ill children have had their medication prescribed by a consultant, and yet the NHS is refusing to pay. This is costing families such a lot of money and heartache. A convicted fraudster from King's Langley who conned Camelot out of £2.5 million after presenting a fake lottery ticket has been ordered to pay back £939,000. In October 2019, 56-year-old Edward Putman from Station Road was sentenced to serve nine years in prison following his conviction of fraud by false representation. Following his conviction, a further investigation to identify and confiscate his assets under the Proceeds of Crime Act was undertaken by specialist financial investigators at the Eastern Region Special Operations Unit. After a hearing at St Albans Crown Court on Wednesday, January the 26th, his Honour Judge Gray confirmed that Putman had benefited by £2,525,495 and ordered him to repay £939,782.44. That was the total value of the assets that were still available. And if Putman does not repay this amount in three months, he will serve a further six years in prison. The assets consist of a large residential property, vehicles, a static caravan, and funds held in bank accounts. And if further realisable assets are identified, the confiscation order will be adjusted to take these into account until all his benefit is repaid. Putman claimed the £2.5 million lottery prize in 2009, but it wasn't until 2015 that an investigation was opened by Hertfordshire Constabulary, after evidence came to light that the claim was not genuine. Putman was arrested in October 2015, but he denied being involved, and the matter was discontinued due to lack of evidence. The original ticket submitted by Putman could not be found. But the ticket was later discovered in January 2017 by Camelot staff and the investigation reopened, leading to his conviction. Financial investigator Claire Howard said, This case demonstrates our commitment to continue to use the Proceeds of Crime Act powers at every opportunity in order to strip the assets from those who seek to benefit from illegal activity. We will continue to work tirelessly to ensure those involved in all forms of acquisitive crime do not benefit from it. A school in Hemel Hempstead is the first in Hertfordshire to achieve the EDU-Kate Global Bronze Award for Climate Literacy. Longdean School is ahead of the curve in addressing the climate change education challenge. The EDU-Kate Global Bronze Award is the first bold step in building a coherent, whole school approach to climate change that is designed to build schools' confidence and capacity to deliver high-impact solution-focused climate change education. Schools who undertake the Educate Global Awards programme are committed to being a leader in their community and to fueling climate action. 
Graham Cunningham, Longdean School's head teacher, said, I am delighted that Longdean School has achieved the Educate Global Bronze Award for sustainability and climate literacy. This is such an important global issue that will impact on the current generation of school leavers. Martin MacDonald, lead practitioner in geography at Longdean School, is the first teacher in Hertfordshire to become an Educate Global Climate Sustainability and Climate Literacy lead teacher. He and the Sustainability and Climate Literacy Leadership Team, five staff members from across the school community, are leading climate change education at Longdean. Melanie Harwood, co-founder of the not-for-profit Educate Global, said, Children are far more vulnerable to climate-related disasters and associated health risks than any other social group. We need to give them the tools to understand the effects of a changing climate so that they can take well-informed and effective action in the future. Now, more than ever, schools need to take the lead in helping our youngsters make sense of the issues and options. Young footballers in Hemel Hempstead took on a 5k challenge to raise money to buy essential equipment for their team. Players from Echoes Football Club Under 7s took on the challenge on Saturday, January 22nd, at Gabridge Park and raised over £1,200. Daniel Evans, Echoes FC Under 7s manager, said, I think this was a huge achievement for the boys and should be highlighted. They ran, they walked, and they achieved what they set out to do, raise money and complete 5K. They were sponsored by Hollywell Skips, Cooper Skip Hire, and Effective Signs, who helped to set up the event. Work has begun on the refurbishment of the Northridge Way basketball court in Hemel Hempstead. When completed in the next few weeks, the court will have a new multiplay tarmac surface, new hoops, fencing and a small seating area. Due to the cold weather, the court will have temporary lines until the spring, when the final court colouring and lines will be laid. Thank you to Hemel Hempstead firm Witten Electrical, based at Maylands, who have sponsored the community project. A photographer from Hemel Hempstead has been recognised at the International Pet Photography Awards. Ian Boychat was named the Master Photographers Association International Pet Photographer of the Year. His winning image was selected from thousands and was announced in a virtual awards evening. Plans for an awards ceremony at the Cutty Sark in London, however, had to be put on hold due to COVID restrictions. But the chairman of the Master Photographers Association, Ray Lowe, surprised Ian in person to deliver his winning trophy. Ian said, it takes a lot to surprise me, but I was totally caught off guard, firstly with the win and then having the trophy delivered in person. Villagers in Little Gadsden have criticised intrusive parking signs, lighting and cameras that have been erected in the pub car park. And Decorum Borough Council is investigating whether there has been a breach of planning or advertisement regulations. However, Green King says it has tried to create as little as possible impact with the scheme and added that it has followed the required processes. The parking enforcement at Bridgewater Arms car park is being run by Britannia Parking on behalf of Green King. Mrs Woods, who lives in Little Gadsden, said, 
I believe Green King and the landlord of the Bridgewater Arms were tired of dog walkers, cyclists and hikers parking in their car park and not frequenting the pub. Understandable. The problem is the car park is in the conservation area of the village and the views to the Grade 2 listed pub and the Grade 2 listed cottages of 15, 16 and 17 Little Gadsden are now blighted by this eyesore. The signposts, lighting and cameras are too high, unsympathetically ugly and will impact on the neighbouring houses. She added that there were eight signposts for 27 parking spaces and said the cameras overlook one of the cottages. She said, in the past, villagers parked in the morning to go to the village stores and post office, generally outside pub hours, to avoid parking on the dangerous bend before the shop. The car park was also used as a safe drop-off point for parents to the village school and... Now there will be severe congestion and risk of collision at the end of Church Lane as a result. And continuing that item, Hertfordshire County Councillor Terry Douris has written to Decorum Borough Council after being alerted to the issue by local residents. And he said a similar situation had occurred at a pub in Hemel Hempstead, which is also a Green King pub. Decorum Borough Council is investigating whether there has been a breach of regulations and has contacted Green King to check whether similar signs and cameras are going to be erected at their other pubs in the borough and to advise them accordingly. The council expects to update all parties within the next two weeks. Parish Council Chairman Paul Kelly also expressed his frustrations. He said, As well as the points that have already been raised, there are a few other things that need to be addressed. It's annoying that there was no discussion with the parish council or residents. We used to have an agreement with the pub that parents would park in the car park and walk their children to school. But I do understand that landlords change and this agreement may not have been passed on, but there should have been better communication from Green King. He said he was planning to contact the chief executive of Green King to invite him to a parish council meeting to discuss the issue with residents. A Green King spokesperson said, We've tried to impact the community as little as possible with this scheme and have followed the required processes for parking installations. We've introduced this measure so that there are spaces available for customers to park and it's important that we use clear signposting for people. Customers can register their vehicle number plate when they enter the pub and will not have to pay for parking. A man has been ordered to pay £3,007 after being successfully prosecuted by Decorum Borough Council for two fly-tipping offences in Flamstead. On January 19th, Imran Ramzan of Luton was prosecuted by the council for two separate offences in Coles Lane in July 2021. On the 12th of July 2021, at 10.44pm, a covert camera deployed by the Council's Environmental Enforcement Team, captured the images of an occupant of a car registered to Mr Ramzan, depositing household waste on Coles Lane. The deposited waste was a black refuse sack containing tumble-dryer vent piping, lino, cardboard and plastic items. On the 20th of July 2021, a Decorum Borough Council Environment enforcement officer attended Coles Lane, Flamstead, to investigate further fly-tipping. Another pile of household waste was found. This time it was nine black refuse sacks containing packaging, tiling materials, carpet offcuts, 
and contained a receipt with personal details, including an address, linking it again to Mr Ramzan. The defendant was interviewed under caution by Decorum Borough Council's enforcement officers on the 5th of August 2021. He denied committing the offences, claiming that his vehicle was being repaired at the time of the first offence, but could not prove this. And the waste found on the 20th of July 2021 was not deposited by him, but that he had paid an unnamed person in a vehicle to dispose of this waste for him, whilst building work was being carried out at his house. The defendant later admitted to the investigating officer that he had indeed unlawfully deposited the waste on both occasions. St Albans Magistrates Court sentenced Mr Ramzan to fines of £821, count one, and £400, count two, as well as a victim surcharge of £122 and full costs of £1,664.71, a total of £3,007.71. Members of a book group in Long Marston are fundraising to create a memorial that remembers Ruth Osborne as a woman, not as a witch. The group wants to put a memorial site in Long Marston on April 22nd to remember Ruth, reportedly the last witch to be dunked in 1751. Book group member Amber from Long Marston said, when we could meet in person last year, we talked about the last witch to be killed in the village and how we had no idea who she was. One of the group members did some research and found out what had happened. We were shocked to discover the catalogue of events that unfolded. All she did was ask the farmer for some buttermilk, but he turned her away. So as she walked away, she muttered under her breath, which many of us would do now without giving it a second thought. But she was accused of being a witch and of having uttered a curse, which was a death sentence to any woman in those days. As women with young daughters, we take it for granted that we can express opinions and have rights as a modern society. It shocked us that she had simply muttered under her breath after being turned away while begging for food. It really shocks us to know this happened on our very own doorstep. In some ways, she may have been forgotten if she'd not been the last so-called witch to suffer this brutal treatment. Even now, with stories in the news both here and abroad, women suffer at the hands of violence. For these reasons, the Ruth Osbournes of this world should not be forgotten. The book group all support the idea, and we also have the support of our local vicar. Group members have brought roses to plant in their gardens, calling them Bloom of Ruth roses. And they are fundraising for a simple memorial in the church, with any leftover funds going to a local women's refuge group as a continued legacy. Find out more at justgiving.com forward slash crowdfunding forward slash Longmaston Book Group. A police constable has been sacked after 21 years of service after it was found that he'd sent racist, sexist, homophobic and discriminatory text messages. PC Chris Thompson has been dismissed without notice from Hertfordshire Constabulary following a misconduct hearing into the messages which were sent between 2009 and 2011. The officer was also cited for failing to challenge a racist comment in a message sent to him during the same period. 
Hertfordshire Constabulary said the constable had an otherwise unblemished policing record over 21 years of service and admitted his behaviour and apologised repeatedly following the incident. However, the officer was found to have breached professional standards as, despite the content not being authored by PC Thompson, a police officer would be expected on receiving such content to delete them and certainly not forward them on. A hearing took place on January the 11th after the officer was accused of breaching the standards of professional behaviour in regards to equality and diversity, discreditable conduct and failure to challenge and report improper conduct. The police force did not outline the contents of the message or any further details about the hearing. A statement posted on Hertfordshire Constabulary's website said, The circumstances were that between December 26, 2009 and October 7, 2011, Thompson sent messages using his personal mobile phone to another person which contained content that was racist, sexist, homophobic and discriminatory. The content of the messages was clear, and whilst they may not have been authored by him, a police officer would be expected on receiving such content to delete them and certainly not to forward them on. It was also found that he failed to challenge a racist comment in a message sent to him in the same time period. The statement concluded, Chief Constable Charlie Hall found PC Thompson guilty of gross misconduct and dismissed him without notice. The Queen this year celebrates seven decades on the throne and we want your help to make our right royal coverage extra special. Her Majesty becomes the first British monarch to celebrate a platinum jubilee. Events and initiatives will take place throughout 2022, culminating in a four-day UK bank holiday weekend from the 2nd to the 5th of June. During her 70-year reign, the Queen has visited every corner of the nation and has millions of loyal subjects there to greet her. She has hosted garden parties at Buckingham Palace, honoured hundreds of you from our communities who have made a difference to the lives of those around you. From walkabouts to investitures, civil servants to cooks, royal outfitters to radio DJs, artists to headteachers, launching ships to opening venues. The Queen has performed thousands of royal duties and met people from all walks of life. Many of you, our JPI media-wide audience, have been privileged to share a few precious moments with Her Royal Highness. And we'd like you to share those exciting experiences with us. Maybe you were the flower girl who handed the Queen a bouquet as she arrived or you played host when she visited your town or city. It could be you caught her attention during a walkabout, attended a VIP garden party, or was awarded an honour. Or it could have been a chance encounter. Tell us what the occasion was and the build-up to those special seconds when we commoners came face to face with the Queen. What did she say? What did you say? How special remain your memories? Your personal recollections are the focus of our coverage of her happy and glorious 70 years reigning over us. Email your memories to chris.page at jpimedia.co.uk. And now for some reminders of this week in history. February 1st, 1979... 
Ayatollah Khomeini returned to Iran after 14 years in exile in France. On this day last year, a pair of NASA astronauts ventured out on their second spacewalk in under a week to complete a four-year effort to modernize the International Space Station's power grid. February 2nd, 1990, South African President F.W. de Klerk lifted the 30-year ban on the African National Congress, the South African Communist Party, and 30 other anti-apartheid organizations. On this day last year, pandemic hero Captain Sir Tom Moore died at the age of 100 after inspiring the world with his fundraising efforts. On February the 3rd, 1983, UK employment hit a record high of 3.22 million. On this day last year, the successful birth of a female venal calf through embryo transfer boosted efforts to save one of the UK's rarest native cattle. On February the 4th, 1902, Captain Charles Lindbergh, US pioneer aviator and the first to fly solo across the Atlantic, was born in Detroit. On February the 5th, 1924, the BBC pips from Greenwich Observatory were heard for the first time. And on February the 6th, 1927, a boy violinist in short trousers, age 10, caused a sensation in Paris when he performed the Symphonie Espagnole. The child prodigy was Yehudi Menuhin. MPs for the decorum area cost well below the average, according to new figures. Figures from the Independent Parliamentary Standards Authority show Sir Mike Penning, MP for Hemel Hempstead, had business costs for the 2020-21 financial year of £168,765. Meanwhile, South West Hertfordshire MP Gagan Mahindra cost the taxpayer around £162,000 last year. The average for all MPs was £203,880. Sir Mike Penning's costs were up from £160,881 the year before. Mike Penning, who was elected in May 2005, spent £168,300 on office running costs in 2020-21, including £151,400 on staff wages and £16,900 on other office expenditures. And he incurred no accommodation costs during this time, but spent £500 on travel and subsistence. The IPSA figures also reveal the 66 individual claims made by Mike Penning in 2020-21, with the most expensive single claim being for staff payroll of £141,684. At the other end of the scale, the smallest one-off expense the 64-year-old claimed was £13 for car mileage. MPs' costs are usually broken down into dozens of categories, with staff pay almost always the largest expense. Mike Penning's five largest types of costs were payroll, costing £141,684, bought-in services, £9,633, rent, 
£5,550, website hosting and design, 3180 and landline phone and internet rental and usage, £2,881. He also spent £207.67 on a working-from-home allowance. Gagan Mahindra's MP's costs were up from £13,835 the year before, Gagan Mahindra, who was elected in December 2019, spent £162,100 on office running costs in 2020-21, including £138,700 on staff wages and £23,400 on other office expenditures. And he incurred no accommodation costs during this time, but spent £200 on travel and subsistence. The IPSA figures also reveal the 60 individual claims made by Gagan Mahindra in 2020-21, with the most expensive single claim being for staff payroll, 138,313. At the other end of the scale, the smallest one-off expense he claimed was £4.50 for car mileage. Gagan Mahindra's five largest types of costs were payroll, costing £138,300, equipment, purchase, £6,560, pooled staffing services, £3,050, training staff, £2,200, and stationery and printing, £1,921. He also spent £1,196 on a working-from-home allowance. The total costs of MPs last year rose by 4% to £132.5 million. Business costs are the essential costs incurred by MPs while carrying out their parliamentary duties, including staffing, office costs and travel. MPs cannot claim for personal costs such as food and drink during their normal working day, and all claims must be compliant with the IPSA rules and accompanied by evidence. And to conclude that report, the average cost of an MP was up 29% from £158,103 in 2019-20. Kit Malthouse was the most expensive MP attending the Cabinet in 2020-21, with total costs of £244,312. This was compared to 178000 for the Prime Minister Boris Johnson and 168000 for Sir Keir Starmer. John O'Connell, Chief Executive of the Taxpayers' Alliance, said, It's important MPs have the resources to do their jobs, but many taxpayers will be worried about the soaring cost of politics. The electorate expects politicians to stay grounded and keep costs under control, particularly given the COVID pandemic saw many MPs and their staff work from home. With taxpayers facing a cost-of-living crisis, politicians should be doing their utmost to keep their spending down. And now we come to the information slot. This is followed by the obituaries, what's on and letters to the editor. The information slot. A debate in Westminster this week has highlighted the need to improve eye services in the UK and stop people from needlessly losing their sight. The event focused on the pressures faced by hospital ophthalmology services, which is now the busiest outpatient speciality in the NHS, with 7.9 million attendances in 2019-20, 
putting pressure on services and leading to long waiting times. Jim Shannon, Democratic Unionist Party spokesperson for Health and Social Care, secured the Westminster Hall debate following problems with delays for patients with age-related macular degeneration, AMD, in his own constituency. He said the COVID-19 pandemic had only exacerbated issues and that it was vital to tackle the capacity crisis. Talking to MPs, he said, sight loss is widespread and its implications are significant for the NHS, for the public purse, but most importantly for patients whose lives will be irrevocably altered by a diagnosis. Timely access to appropriate treatment can quite simply be the difference between someone losing their sight or keeping it. The event followed the Westminster Eye Health Day in October. It was organised as part of the Eyes Have It, a partnership of Roche, the Macular Society and Fight for Sight. Several parliamentarians spoke at the event, including Leah Nietzsche, MP for Great Grimsby, who shared her own personal experience of macular disease after being diagnosed 20 years ago. She said, It's going to your optician regularly, which actually spots these issues, and speed is of the utmost importance. Leonici praised the team at Diana, Princess of Wales Hospital in Grimsby, and talked how she received 11 injections to save her sight. If that treatment hadn't been available, I would have been registered blind by now, she said. Jim Shannon welcomed the government's plans to recruit a national clinical director for eye care, announced in November, but called on the minister to appoint this role as a matter of urgency. Westminster Hall debates give MPs an opportunity to raise local or national issues and receive a response from a government minister. The Macular Society, alongside Roche and Fight for Sight, will be continuing discussions with parliamentarians and policymakers to improve NHS eye care services and prevent avoidable sight loss. Hearing dogs for deaf people are working closely with Fairwill, the UK's largest online will writing specialists and winners of the National Will Writing Firm of the Year 2019 and 2020 to offer a free online will writing service which normally costs £90 or £240 for a telephone will. With their expert help, you can quickly and securely write your will in the comfort of your own home and then have it checked by a specialist to make sure all your wishes are clear or for free. You will then need to print and sign in front of two witnesses to make it legally binding. We recognise that providing for your family, friends and loved ones will always come first. There's no obligation to leave a gift to Hearing Dogs for Deaf People if you use this service, but if you do choose to remember us, thank you. Your gift will help us towards our goal of a time where no deaf person feels alone. This is the process. Consider who you want to remember. Think about the people and causes you care about and how you would like to remember them in your will. Preparing to write your free will. You will be taken step by step through the will writing process with professional support from Fairwill. It should take no more than 30 minutes. Request a free tailored telephone callback. Enter your name and phone number on the online form at Fairwill 
F-A-R-E-W-I-L-L.co.uk. And then write your free will. A professional member from the Farewell team will be in touch within 24 hours to help you write your will. The telephone service is open 9am to 7pm, seven days a week. You can go online at farewell.co.uk or telephone 0208 176 6736 and they will call you back within 24 hours. A reminder about Community Action Decorum, door to store. This service provides older or disabled people who have difficulties in using public transport safe, reliable and accessible transport to a local supermarket. The service involves picking people up from their homes and taking them to local supermarkets, an opportunity to meet friends and catch up with other shoppers over a drink in the cafe, a volunteer to support shoppers around the store with their shopping and help bringing shopping to your front door, helping you remain independent in your own home. Find out more about where and when the service runs by phoning 253-935, Monday to Friday, 9am to 3pm, or email reception at communityactiondecorum.org.uk. In addition, Community Action Decorum can provide a shopping service for isolated individuals and provide a prescription collection and delivery service. Uh, Community Action Decorum also provides another service called Community Cars, which solves transport problems for less mobile people in Decorum. A team of volunteers use their own cars in their free time to drive passengers to their destinations. The service is for anyone who can't use public transport or taxis due to mobility or medical reasons, either permanent or temporary. Anybody using a wheelchair must be able to self-transfer to the car or take a relative or friend to assist them. All journeys will be considered, including hospital, doctor or dental appointments, visits to sick friends or relatives, day centres and clubs, community centres, libraries, hairdressers, etc. How much does it cost? The minimum charge for a journey is £7. And how do you book? The Community Cars office is open five days a week, Monday to Friday, 9am to 3pm. The telephone number is 212-888 or email ctadmin at communityactiondecorum.org.uk To use the Community Action Decorum services, you need to register with the transport section on telephone number 212-888. Remember to give them plenty of notice. The obituaries in the Gazette this week are... John Michael Barrett of Homefield, Pottenend, aged 83. David Jackson of Broadwater, Berkhamsted, aged 90. Caroline Thelma Lindy Jones of Mayfair Lodge Care Home, aged 75. And Keith John Simpson of Jupiter Drive, Hemel Hempstead, aged 92. May they all rest in peace. helping to deal with the impact of loss. Grief affects all of us at one time or another in our lives, 
whether it be due to the death of a loved one or some other form of loss. It is a normal emotion we feel as a response to loss, says Claire Collins, a bereavement coordinator with Marie Curry. MarieCurry.org.uk Throughout our lives, we experience many different types of loss, such as relationship breakdowns, redundancy, financial health, and the death of a loved one. These losses can often lead to a further series of losses. Many symptoms of grief can be experienced after the loss of a loved one, says Claire. The emotional responses include shock, numbness, denial, isolation, loneliness, sadness, anger, despair, emptiness, helplessness, fear and anxiety. We cannot see these emotions, but there may be more obvious physical symptoms such as disrupted sleep, sleeping more or inability to sleep, loss of appetite, tearfulness, lethargy, panic attacks, increased susceptibility susceptibility to colds and illness. These responses to loss are normal and do not last forever. When you're experiencing a bereavement, it is important you look after yourself and eat regularly, says Claire. Try to get out and take some physical exercise if you can. Also, try to make space and time for yourself and to remember your loved one. Plus, remember, grieving is normal. Give yourself time as your grief will change. If you are struggling to cope with your feelings, seek further help. Talk to your GP or friends and family who could find assistance for you if needed. And now what's on? Films at the cinema this week include Jackass Forever, Jockey, The Eyes of Tammy Faye, The Souvenir Part 2, Moonfall, Sing 2, Belfast, Nightmare Alley 2022, The King's Man and many more. All popular films are provided to cinemas with an audio description track. Please mention your requirements at the time of booking. And comedy. There's Ed Gamble's show Electric at the Watford Palace Theatre on February the 9th. Ed Gamble is co-host of the award-winning mega-hit podcast Off Menu with James Acaster, Taskmaster champion, and has his own special Blood Sugar available worldwide on Amazon Prime. He's been seen and heard on Mock the Week, Live at the Apollo, The Russell Howard Hour, QI, Would I Lie to You, and Sunday mornings on Radio X alongside Matthew Cosby. The Guardian hailed his ability to open his mouth and spontaneously say something hysterically funny. Visit watfordpalacetheatre.co.uk to book. And later this month, on Monday the 28th of February at 8pm, as part of the Old Town Hall's Comedy Club, see Alistair Barry and Caroline Maybe with Compare Windsor. Recommended age 18 plus, running time about 120 minutes, and the box office is on telephone number 228091, and their website is oldtownhall.co.uk. And at the theatre... The Old Town Hall, Hemel Hempstead, is the venue for the following shows. Johnny Donahoe in Forgiveness, Wednesday 9th February 2022 at 8pm. Forgiveness is a warm and uplifting show about the cycles of abuse that form and affect who we are. 
if and how we can escape them and move on. Running time, approximately 60 minutes. Age suitability, 16 plus. Tickets from the box office telephone number 228091 or their website oldtownhall.co.uk. And the beautiful game, Wednesday 16th February at 8pm. Some love it, others loathe it, but we can't avoid it. It's everywhere. A laugh-out-loud look at our undying obsession with football, celebrating everything from weird match-day rituals to ridiculous armchair punditry. The beautiful game explores the highs and lows of football fandom. It may even attempt to explain the offside rule. Four women deliver a knockout performance in this high-energy show, which is brimming with nostalgia and set to a backdrop of chant-along hits and a buzzing soundtrack. Running time, approximately 55 minutes. Age suitability, 7+. Plus. And again, tickets from the box office. Telephone number 228-091 or their website, oldtownhall.co.uk. And letters to the editor this week include one from Eamon J. Norton that has been shortened. The old saying that there are lies and damn lies goes nowhere near describing the behaviour of Boris Johnson. His current utterings merely reflect a lifetime pattern. He has now reached the point of telling barefaced lies and not caring whether the public perceive it to be so or not. Being rich and powerful has given him the added dimension of arrogance. Lying is by nature a form of bullying. Like all bullies, he has pushed his luck too far and the time of reckoning appears to be close at hand. He doesn't even deserve the respect of being listened to any longer. Despite all his outward patriotism, he even lied to the Queen about the prorogation of Parliament. Let's not forget that this man was sacked twice for lying and a third departure seems imminent. As a retired head teacher, it is interesting to compare his behaviour to that of children. At Prime Minister's questions on January 12th, he looked remarkably like a guilty schoolboy, sitting there sheepishly, trying to defend the indefensible. We all expected some children to lie. This was part of a learning process, one of trial and error. The vast majority grew out of this pattern of behaviour. However, some didn't do so. One such person is Boris Johnson, and the evidence of this is littered all over his personal and political life. He now looks like a pathetic figure sulking because he is being challenged at last. Losing his position as Prime Minister could give him the opportunity for personal redemption and growth. I fear that he has a long road ahead before he reaches that point of maturity. His handling of the Covid pandemic has been characterised by dithering, late lockdowns, confused messaging, corrupt and illegal contracts and the unnecessary deaths of over 20,000 people in care homes as well as a pattern of behaviour by the Prime Minister and his staff that tells us that the rules are for us and not for them. The blatant lies to cover up this behaviour has merely compounded the issues. It is also worrying that the Tory party want to keep him because he's a winner, even though the actual evidence of his performance is one of incompetence and recklessness. The outcome of the current debate surrounding Boris Johnson's fitness to be the Prime Minister will determine our moral compass for the future. 
Let's hope that the moral high ground will prevail over decadence. The stakes are high for all of us and the coming generations too. And now some county council news. Temporary road closure announcements include the following. Fishery Passage, Hemel Hempstead and Little Tring Road in Tring from the 7th of February for utility service works. Epping Green, Hemel Hempstead from the 9th of February for water service connection works. White Hill and Hitchens Close, Hemel Hempstead from the 18th of February for installation of a new utility pole. Friston Lane, Potton End from the 18th of February for replacement of an existing utility pole. Temporary closure of footpath on the west side of number 14 Henry Wells Square, Hemel Hempstead from the 21st of February for utility inspection and repair work. The subway situated beneath the A414 St Albans Road in Hamel Hempstead from the 21st of February for improvement works. Austin's Place, Hamel Hempstead from the 21st of February for replacement of existing gas mains. Newell Road, Hamel Hempstead from the 21st of February for installation of a new utility pole. And Orchard Street, Hamel Hempstead from the 23rd of February for sewer cleaning works. Plans for a £15 million archive visitor centre in Hertfordshire have been highlighted as part of the County Council's budget setting process. Currently, the Council's extensive archives, which include historical documents, maps, plans and photographs, are stored in the basement of County Hall in Hertford. But estimates suggest that within five years, the growing collection will be too large for the space available and there are also concerns that the existing facility cannot meet the required modern standards for archiving materials. Plans for the new Archive Visitor Centre were highlighted at a cross-party meeting held to scrutinise the education, libraries and lifelong learning budget proposals. The plans were included in budget proposals last year, 2020-21, and councillors were told that since then a possible site for the centre that was not disclosed had been identified. They were told that the proposed building would meet passive house standards in line with the council's commitment to be net zero carbon in its own operations by 2030. And they heard that discussions were ongoing with the National Lottery Heritage Fund on the potential for matched funding. Making the case for the investment, the budget document points to the 13 cubic metres of materials that are collected by the County Council each year. And it says that in order to retain its archive accreditation, it would be essential that progress was made on the development of the building in 2022-23. At the meeting, councillors questioned whether the funding proposed in the budget, based on estimates from 2018, would still be enough for the project. And, after highlighting the inclusion of plans for a bid for National Lottery Heritage funding, councillors pointed to some uncertainties that they said may need to be reflected in the budget. Hertfordshire County Council is to pay £700 to a parent after they fail to issue an Education, Health and Care Plan, EHCP, for 20 months. The significantly delayed EHCP was highlighted after the child's mum, referred to as Mrs X, complained to the local government and social care ombudsman. 
In a report just published by the Ombudsman, it has emerged that the council is to make the payment, apologise to the parent and remind staff about the importance of keeping to statutory timescales. EHCPs are formal legal documents that identify the educational health and social needs of a specific child or young person up to the age of 25. Where a council decided to make an amendment, it must issue an amended plan within eight weeks. According to the report, Mrs H attended an annual review of her child's EHCP in May 2019, but the amended EHCP was not issued until February 2021. The County Council had said it had experienced a significant increase in workload and that this, in addition to the request for a referral for speech and language therapy, had caused the delay. Mrs X complained that the delay had stopped her from using her right of appeal, causing injustice to her child, who is at secondary school. The Ombudsman found that the significant delay is likely to have caused Mrs X frustration and stress. He also notes that the EHCP does not include a referral for speech and language therapy assessment, despite the council telling Mrs X that it would do so. A spokesperson for Hertfordshire County Council said that they took the findings very seriously and that in response to high demand for specialist provision, it was investing in the SEND system. Public health officials are dealing with outbreaks of COVID-19 in hundreds of schools across Hertfordshire. In the three weeks since the start of the new term on the 4th of January, more than 11,000 children and young people under 19 in the county have been diagnosed with the virus. And officials at the county council say they're now dealing with outbreaks of COVID-19 at 352 of Hertfordshire schools. This is believed to be the highest number of ongoing outbreaks recorded in schools in Hertfordshire at any one time since the start of the pandemic. An outbreak is formally recorded whenever five children, pupils, students or staff who are likely to have mixed closely test positive for COVID-19 within a 10-day period. And the number of schools recording outbreaks in the county is understood to have risen steadily since the start of term. The latest available data of cases in under-19s recorded between January the 4th and January the 22nd in the county can be broken down by geographical area. In decorum, there were 226 cases in the 0 to 4 age group, 474 amongst 5 to 9s, 408 in the 10 to 14 age group, and 263 in 15 to 19s. A spokesperson for Hertfordshire County Council said, we're working closely with schools and businesses to help them understand and implement the changes announced by the government recently. While the Department for Education has removed the requirement for pupils to wear face coverings in classrooms, government guidance is very clear that schools will continue to have discretion to reintroduce face coverings and other measures when there are outbreaks. The mind-boggling costs of children's home places have been highlighted as councillors continue to scrutinise County Council budget plans for 2022-23. There are currently more than 900 looked-after children in the care of the County Council, living in children's homes, in foster care or who are living semi-independently. 
The costs of those placements were detailed to a cross-party group of county councillors as part of the council's budget-setting process. Councillors were told that typically the cost of placing a child in a county council children's home was around £4,000 a week. The average cost of a place in an independent children's home was around £1,000 more, at £5,000 a week. And that cost could be as high as £60,000 a week for a bespoke setting. Those costs were described as mind-boggling by Councillor Lawrence Brass, who chaired the session. But councillors heard there were plans to reduce those costs by increasing in-house children's home places and recruiting more foster carers. They were told of ongoing plans to increase the number of children's home places in the county by 31 and the council's efforts to employ social care staff and foster carers directly, rather than carers opting to work for an agency. Typically, a placement with a Hertfordshire foster carer costs £500 a week, but an independent foster placement typically costs the council double that, at £1,000 a week. In addition, they were told of the council's drive to prevent children needing to come into care by reaching out to vulnerable children and their families. According to budget proposals, the cost of services for looked-after children is expected to increase from £60.9 million this year to £70 million in 2022-23. Executive Director of Children's Services Joe Fisher pointed to an increase in the number of looked-after children in the county. She told councillors there remained a huge amount of uncertainty about future demand in the wake of the pandemic. And she said this reflected the stresses that families had been under, but also their inability to access some of the universal support that would usually have been offered through schools or family centres. But she expected the increase in children looked after to continue at a slower rate moving forward. And now some new it news items, including this report from the Royal Society for the Protection of Birds, Hemel Hempstead branch. This is a special month for the RSPB local group, as it is 50 years since the RSPB Hemel Hempstead local group was founded, and it has been operating successfully ever since. At our next meeting on Monday, February 7th, we have a new speaker, Jeff Knott, the Operations Director for the RSPB East of England. Jeff's talk, entitled Red Kites, Back from the Brink, contains a brief history of red kites in the UK and describes what their changing fortunes tell us about our changing attitudes to birds of prey and nature in general. Due to COVID restrictions, the meeting will be held by Zoom, starting at 8.15pm. If you would like to join us on Zoom, please first use the contact details given at the end of this account. At our last meeting, held by Zoom, we again welcomed Roy Atkins of Speyside Wildlife. On this occasion, he gave us an enthralling illustrated talk about the wildlife in four regions of Spain, where he has led numerous guided walks. Highlights to be seen there include very large numbers and variety of raptors, in particular many species of vultures.
The next outing will be a car-sharing trip on Saturday, February 19th, to World Wildlife Trust Barnes, London. This is an amazing city refuge for both woodland and wetland birds, where even bitterns can be seen. As is usual for the World Wildlife Trust, there is also a very good cafe with facilities. The last outing to Rushmere County Park near Leighton Buzzard was cancelled due to an unfavourable weather forecast. However, we did have a local trip to the local Stockers Lake near Watford, attended by 13 members. Over 30 species were seen, including a pair of golden eye and a large number of lapwings, both on the islands and on the ice. It was particularly amusing to see the moorhens sliding around on it. Find out more about the group's activities by visiting rspb.org.uk forward slash groups forward slash Hemel Hempstead or by contacting Robert on 07768 931 976. For outing details, contact Alan on 835, oh sorry, 833 there are no January blues at the Lodge Care Home in Hemel Hempstead as residents and staff welcome 2022 with open arms and fun activities. The care home on Broad Street also welcomed two new family members, guinea pigs Thelma and Louise. Residents at the Lodge have been enjoying lots of cuddles with the girls. Gillian, who lives at the care home, said it's wonderful to have pets again. And Cathy added, it's such a lovely, calming time when we see them. Staff helped residents embrace Flower Day by making flower arrangements with fresh flowers and edible flowers were also involved when decorating cakes. There was even a flower-themed quiz. There was also lots of fun at Burns Night. Residents enjoyed bagpipe music and Robbie Burns' poems. A spokesman for the lodge said... Some residents also enjoyed a wee dram of whiskey, and not to forget the addressing of the haggis. Fun was had by all. Bob enjoyed the music, saying he loves a good old sing-song. Now we're looking forward to February in celebrating Chinese New Year, Valentine's Day and Shrove Tuesday, as we do like a pancake or two here. So nothing stops us here at the Lodge. There's always something fun going on. And some advice from the Gazette's Community Campaign. In the face of increasing energy costs, we need to know how to stay warm in our home while cutting down on spends. Heat is the biggest use of energy in the UK. We need to heat our homes, but by being mindful and employing useful tips provided by experts, we can reduce our energy bills while staying warm and comfortable. Energy efficiency measures not only save you cash, but also help to save the planet by reducing carbon dioxide emissions. These seven easy hacks will help to protect your pocket while heating your home effectively. 1. Keep your thermostat at a constant temperature of 19 degrees Celsius. Close your curtains from dusk until it's light in the morning. Plug any leaky gaps around windows, doors and letterboxes with strip insulation. And roof insulation to 27 centimetres in your loft. Have your boiler serviced regularly, and if you have an old boiler that is inefficient, invest and install a new one. 
Fit cavity wall insulation or solid wall insulation if your house is over 100 years old. And finally, use thermostat radiator valves to keep empty rooms or bedrooms at a lower temperature. Future dates for your diary. The Palace Theatre in Watford are excited to tell you about a special offer to entice you back for the month of March. Thanks to support from the National Lottery, they're proud to introduce the Love Your Local Theatre campaign. When you buy a ticket for a performance of Abigail's Party by Mike Lee during the month of March, you get another ticket free courtesy of the National Lottery. All you need to do is use the code Abigail. Two for one at checkout. This promotion is available to anyone who is a National Lottery player and possesses a National Lottery product. By purchasing a ticket under the Love Your Local Theatre initiative, you must be able to agree with the following statement. By purchasing this ticket, I declare that I am a National Lottery player and that I agree to bring proof of purchase of a National Lottery game in digital or hard copy form when I attend the performance and that I understand I may be asked to present this in order to gain admission. For more information on the offer and to read the terms and conditions, go to the website watfordpalacetheatre.co.uk. The box office telephone number is... 01923 225671 or email sales at watfordpalacetheatre.co.uk Dinosaurs are coming to Tring this half term and you can meet them. Five full-size dinosaurs will be visiting the town on Thursday, February the 17th and Friday, February the 18th. Four of them will be in the Memorial Garden, and you'll find the final one outside the Arts Council-accredited Local History Museum, so why not step inside to learn more about the past while you're there? The event is designed to encourage people back to the high street to enjoy the shops, cafes, pubs, restaurants, two local museums, and Tring Park. Decorum Borough Council has been awarded government money under the Welcome Back Fund for the Department for Leveling Up, Housing and Communities and the European Regional Development Fund to help bring history to life for the event. We are coming to the end of this week's news. Sunrise and sunset times for this weekend are 0740 and 1654. Don't forget... For those with access to the internet, our news is uploaded to our website soon after the recording each week on Thursday evening. This can be found by visiting dtnhemel.org.uk. If you wish to listen on Alexa, say, Alexa, open the talking newspaper skill. Follow this with Play Decorum Talking Newspaper. Remember... Information on local amenities and services follow after the final music of this recording of the news on the memory stick. For those who are listening to this week's news on a memory stick, please remove your memory stick from the player and return it to us in the pouch provided. Seal it firmly, turn the label over and post it back to us at the A.D. Field Community Centre, the Queen's Square, Hemel Hempstead, HP2 4 EW using any Royal Mail post box. No stamp is required. Thank you for listening. Until next time, it is goodbye 
from all your readers, the editor, and Joe, your technician for this week. <laughs>